This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. There's a question that we all answer as best we can every day right now. And that question is, is this safe if I'm to go outside? Is, is that safe if I walk down a sidewalk or a path? Is that safe if I look down and see a piece of garbage? Can I pick that up because it might not be safe? What about the grocery store? Is that safe? Is it safe to stop and have a conversation with someone if I keep myself six feet away from them? And there is no right answer to this. And unfortunately, that's a question that we've never really had to deal with in our lives. You have to teach little kids how to cross the street so that they do it safely. You have to teach them how to deal with strangers so that they do it safely. But after you get the hang of that sort of thing, sure, there are risks in life, but you never really have to question your safety all that much. If you are in a job that has dangers to it, if you wash windows, thank you for washing the windows. As someone who looks out windows, usually at city center quite often, whoever is doing that does a phenomenal job. But other than that, or the job of a a police officer, a firefighter, there are jobs that come with danger. A Sherpa. That's dangerous. Normally, we don't have to think about it. And if you're not someone with one of those jobs, and you knew what you were getting into when you trained and applied for one of those jobs, you don't have to worry about it. If you were working in a place that is now deemed an essential service like grocery stores or a place that provides supplies, the risk was very low. You were more concerned about giving the customer a good experience, about making sure they were able to find what they wanted, about reminding them that if they spend this much money, there is a deal to be had. Those were the things that you were focused on. Now, now that safety question has crept in, and that's something that we're going to look at as we begin London Live, because I would like to welcome to London Live someone who right now works as an essential worker in a store that provides grocery items and supplies Please say hi to Dylan. Dylan, thanks so much for being here. We'll aim to get Dylan in just a moment. In terms of what those employees, who are now essential employees, are facing, it's a case of they now have certain things available to them, whether it's plexiglass, whether it's cleaning supplies, whether it's extra employees who are able to make things nice and clean. But at the same time, there's there's still that uncertainty, right? Just like we think, is it safe to go and get groceries? Am I going to be okay? Is everybody going to do what they're supposed to do? And the answer to that question for us is, I don't know. But the answer for somebody who is going to work in one of those places is it doesn't matter because they have to go and work in one of those places. They have to provide what is essential for all of us, which is the ability to get food and supplies. And there are some real concerns as to 
how you go about keeping things safe or how people feel. And then you add in other dimensions. And we'll talk with Dylan in just a couple of minutes about those other dimensions. And those other dimensions are some people are impatient. Some people are tired of this. And that's what you have to deal with. Dylan, how long have you been working where you work right now? I've been working there eight years. So you've been through this at a time when it wasn't necessarily a big deal to go to work. You you had your shift. You would know when the time was. You would go and work your shift. You would go home. What is it exactly. like now? It's getting really scary. You know, I never was scared to go to work. I love my job. But now, like, it's uncertain when you go to work. You don't know what's going to happen when you go. You don't know if people are going to be happy, mad, impatient, scared, what they're going and to do. What do you typically find? So if, if you're dealing, if you're, let's say, at a checkout or a cash register and you look up, do you find the majority of people are doing what they're supposed to be doing, paying attention to whatever markings might be on the floor, making sure that they're distancing, or do you find that it's pretty unpredictable? It's so hit and miss. Days are so different. One day, people are coming in the right doors. They're paying attention to the tape on the floor. But then the next day, usually on weekends, people are not paying attention to the arrows in the aisles. They're not staying six feet apart. They don't care about the tape. They're being impatient, especially towards us as cashiers. And you notice weekends are different than weekdays. Yeah, it's really weird. Weekends seem to be way worse than weekdays. For example, on Sunday I worked and people were really rude. But on Monday, it was totally different. People were asking how I was, how I was doing. They were telling me to stay safe. It was really weird. Let's talk about that word right now. And we're talking with Dylan, who works in a store, has worked in a store for eight years now, so has great experience at how things usually go and is now dealing with what we're seeing with the COVID-19 changes, but certainly what we're dealing with in the way we all behave when we get there. Let's focus in on that word safe. How safe do you feel at work? Well, we don't have the plexiglass. We actually have it sitting outside our office, and it hasn't been installed. It's been sitting there for over a week, and no one's come to install it. So, That's got to be tough. Yeah, it's a bit scary when people are really close to you. And our ATM actually is not on a line. It's literally just stays on our, um, it just stays right on our desk. It's not six feet away from us. It's probably about two feet away from us. It doesn't move. Gotcha. So if somebody is looking to pay with a credit card or a debit card and they're coming over to hopefully just tap their card, they're getting pretty close to you, it sounds like. Exactly. And they're putting the items on our belt and we're touching what they just touched. It's not sanitized. Hmm. When you are doing that, do you just get into a rhythm where you have to ignore what that means? Or is that always in the back of your mind that, oh, here we go again. Somebody is putting something on the belt that I have to pick up. I ignore it. And then the moment they leave, you know, you're all alone and you just think about it. Like, what did I just touch? Do they have a cold today? Are they feeling okay? And then you kind of worry about it until the next customer comes and you just go back to ignoring it. When you talk to fellow employees, what do you guys talk about? 
a lot of fellow employees seem to be very scared, especially um, the older employees. I find they're very scared to touch anything. So I often offer to go on cash. I'm also at risk too, but I want them to be safer. Boy. Now, have you come to a point where you've known you had a shift and and it's hard to get yourself out the door, or is this just an accepted reality? This is where we are right now. Are you having trouble going to work? Um, you know, I'm having trouble going to work after a day where it's been really rough. Like I said, Sunday was really rough, and I had a shift on Monday, and I got really scared to go in. We're talking with Dylan, and Dylan has worked in a store that provides groceries and supplies for eight years, has great experience, and now is dealing with a whole new world. Dylan, what can we do as shoppers or customers in the store to make sure that we are putting people who are at the cash or behind the counter at ease? I would say the biggest thing is to please be patient. Um, You know, a lot of people think we're hiding things in the back room, and we're not. We've put out all the essential items that we can we're not hiding anything. Please only touch what you need. And please pay attention to the six feet rule. I know some people might think it's silly, but we do have tape on the floor. Please go behind the tape. And, you know, the biggest thing is to just, like Monday, people were asking how I was, and that was so nice. It felt so good to be at work because people actually seem to care and say thank you that I was at work. Well, we're going to say thank you that you are going to work because this is a job that we need right now. We we need what you are doing. We need to be able to get those supplies. And I don't know, it, it sounds strange to me. It sounds strange to anybody else to hear Dylan describe that people think you're hiding things in the back. I guess that's natural when the shelves are empty, but is that something that you tend to get as soon as something runs out? People are getting desperate, Mike. We have obviously but in the last two weeks it's been insane someone went in the back room and took my stuff they took my debit card my credit card and they went and spent it do you think this was an employee or was this somebody else who made their way into the back no we have uh cameras and it was unfortunately some random person wow that is wild Dylan, as as kind of a final thing, we know that typically jobs like that are very close to minimum wage or or just above minimum wage. Is this something that you feel needs to be addressed in terms of how much money employees who are dealing in these situations get? Uh, we have gotten the $2 increase. I do think that is important. But at the same time, it, it wouldn't matter if they were paying you $1,000 an hour. You still have to go to work. You still have to do your job. Exactly. And like you said about trying to ignore, I do try to ignore when I go into work. And I even forget that I'm getting that $2 increase, to be honest. Well, Dylan, thank you for painting the picture you have. So if, if you had to send a message, patience is one thing. <laughs> Believe the people and please ask how everybody is doing. It'll make all the difference in the world. Dylan, thank you for sharing your experience. This was great for the rest of us. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. It feels so good to share my experience. Well, maybe we can check in again and see if that experience changes in any way, hopefully for the better, in a few weeks. That's a good idea. All right, let's mark it down. Let's do it. Dylan, thanks. Be safe, okay? And thank you again for what you and everybody else you work with is doing. Thank you so much.
That is Dylan, who has worked in a store that sells grocery items, sells supplies for a long time now, eight years, and is dealing with things she's never dealt with before. Having things stolen by a random individual that is shown on a security camera because they're able to get into the back, that's a little frightening. Somebody goes in looking for toilet paper and decides, hey, here's something else, a purse, a bag, I'll take that. Couldn't get my toilet paper, I'll get what I want. Interesting. Great point from John, who emailed Mike at 980cfpl.ca. He says, I can sympathize with workers, but many of them do not wear gloves. We have to be concerned as consumers. We don't know what they're touching or sneezing on before they put the groceries on the shelves. I can appreciate that, but there's a reason why. And I've talked to a number of workers about this. There's a reason why they do not recommend wearing gloves. Gloves give you a false sense of security. And gloves can pick up something and keep it, whereas if something happens with your hands, you're going to wash your hands. You're going to wash your hands more often, or you're going to use a sanitized wipe. And gloves kind of take you away from that. Gloves can actually be dirtier than hands. Joining us right now to continue this conversation as we look at life as an essential worker in a grocery store or a supply store is Tim Dielstra. And Tim is in engagement and media relations. He's a strategist with locals 175 and 633 of UFCW Canada. Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show. Tim, let's talk about the concerns that you hear. We just heard from Dylan outline what a typical day is like, some of the things that she experiences. What are you hearing? Sure. Well, we represent, uh, as a union, over 60,000 people in retail in Ontario. And so a considerable amount of our members have expressed concerns to us about what it's like to go to work with this uncertainty and this pandemic situation. I mean, everybody wants access to food, but uh, our members and workers who are out there on the front lines of this also want to be somewhat assured that they are able to do that while not getting sick themselves. So it's uh, a considerable amount of our members have expressed concern about how they can get to work and do that safely. Yeah, and even be safe at work. I mean, we've just heard a story about having plexiglass, but not having anyone who can install it just yet. So there it sits. Meanwhile, the workers still go on about their day-to-day duties. How common is plexiglass among workers that you've heard from? So we worked very diligently at the beginning of this with our uh, retail employers to try to get every safety measure we could find installed into the stores. You know, there are some uh, frustrations that still crop up from place to place about things like you just said, Mike, about uh, still waiting for plexiglass to be installed in uh, certain locations. And we're doing whatever we can in those situations to try to get it addressed as quickly as we can. So that went from plexiglass, that's been discussion about masks, You raised an excellent point about gloves, about when it's appropriate to use those or not. I mean, it's difficult in these times uh, to know, in some cases, what the right thing is to do. But we're looking at all available public advice uh, from public health units and doctors, and we're trying to advocate as much as we can, not only to keep our members and the workers out there safe, but the public as well, right? Whatever we can do to try to all get through this and keep access to the supplies and the food we need going, well, all of us remaining safe. That's what we as a union are pledged to do. We're talking with Tim Dielstra, engagement and media relations strategist with locals 175 and 633 of UFCW Canada. Tim, in terms of pay, we know that typically a cashier job 
some of them would be minimum wage, some would be just above minimum wage. Do you have any members who are weighing, okay, can can I call myself safe enough to go and make that wage even though it's been increased a little bit? Is that a concern? Absolutely. We've had members who have expressed that, and uh, in particular after the federal government offered through the CERB uh, the $2,000 subsidy, we have had uh, members express to us concern about why would I put myself in harm's way if I potentially have access to that amount of money uh, instead of what I'm making at work. So we're looking at those situations. We're having uh, ongoing discussions with all of the employers we represent about appropriate levels of compensation to try to recognize the efforts of all of our members and uh, to provide them a boost. And in the situation where we have members who have made decisions about uh, not going to work out of a sense of you know, concern over their personal security, we're also working with the employers on that to make sure that those folks... Uh, aren't treated badly that they, you know, if they've made a decision not to come to work, that they can make that decision now and then we'll uh, move forward. Tim, there are no easy answers in any of this, but is there something that the general public making use of these essential workers can do in order to make things easier on their end? Well, absolutely. The general public has a large role to play in this, and uh, a lot of the feedback that we're getting out of our members about concern now is tied to some very small portion of the general public. We've had some unfortunate and disgusting incidents of uh, people being spat on and people leaving their own gloves and masks behind in grocery carts or around the area. And uh, that's not helpful in any way. The best thing that the public can do to support grocery workers and to retail workers and workers in general right now is to pay attention to the advice that they're being given by Uh, public health and government to maintain those social distancing, to try to be patient. We appreciate uh, as a union and our members appreciate as workers that it can be frustrating for people if there's a large lineup or if there is uh, not a full load of uh, goods on the shelves. But at the end of the day, if people don't follow those rules, ultimately what they're doing is they're putting the workers at risk. That then potentially causes the store to close and then nobody's getting anything. So the more people can follow all of those common sense things, maintain the social distancing, you know, try to be patient and uh, kind with people, the better we're all going to be about getting through this in the long run. Well said. Tim, thanks for the time. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day. Be safe. Yeah, you as well. That is Tim Dilstra, engagement and media relations strategist with locals 175 and 633 of UFCW Canada. On Sunday, we began to hear news of something playing out. And even from as far away as we are, it played out in little bits and pieces. The first words you probably heard were that there was an active shooter in Nova Scotia, in an area that was to the north and to the west of Halifax. And that may have brought about images in your mind You followed the story, and we now know that this is one of the most tragic events we've seen in our country. We want to go to Nova Scotia right now, to Colchester County, where we want to thank Councillor Tom Taggart for taking time with us. Councillor Taggart, thank you so much for joining us on London Live. I'm I'm very happy to chat with you. 
Our sincerest condolences for what your area and everyone who lives in Colchester County is going through at the moment. None of us can imagine what the last few days have been like. Can you take us back to even waking up on Sunday and, and kind of what was going on as, as you woke up? Yeah, yeah I, I sure can. I, you know, I just get up Sunday morning, just like any other Sunday morning. And, uh, and I, you know, I got my coffee and, uh, I went in down to the desk and, uh, you know, uh, check messages, and then I, because, uh, uh, you know, social media is, you know, is it today, I guess, uh, with this social distancing, I flipped on uh, uh, Facebook, and there's a uh, a post about uh, active shooter in uh, Portipec, which is just up the road from me, active shooter in Portipec, and, uh, you know, lock your doors and uh, whatever, shelter in place, hide in your basements, whatever, I can't remember. And to be very frank, and I don't want this to sound poor, I thought, oh my, what, what, you know, what's happened? Uh, you know, has uh, there been a, you know, a family dispute? Has somebody got, uh, you know, uh, liquored up or whatever, and got, uh, you know, and uh, from there it just escalated. You know, just continued to, to escalate. You could see it escalating on Facebook. People were getting anxious. You know, and uh, and uh, it just went from bad to worse to horrific and. Uh, and um, I then the phones ringing and people um, are kind of uh, telling things that, you know, you don't know whether they're fact or fiction. And quite honestly, you know, by dinner time, you know, it was just un- un- unimaginable. It just, uh, it's just something that really, quite honestly, was it's just hard, still kind of hard to imagine that this happened. In particular, for me, when I know who was affected and I I know where the homes are on the road and what homes are there and where these folks lived, and and uh, it just, uh, when I think about what took place in that community, in that little community, uh, um, it is still unbelievable. It's hard to imagine that that happened in our community or any other community. It just uh, it, it has happened. So that's uh, that's the way it rolled out for me. We're talking with Colchester County Councilor Tom Taggart. Councilor Taggart, when you describe port pick I mean, it sounds like, and you just hinted at it there, that, that this is your typical, small, Canadian community. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody looks out for everybody. If somebody's dog is on the road, chances are you're going to grab the dog, put it in the car, bring it back to your neighbor because you know who that neighbor is. You know who that dog belongs to. Is that about what port pick is like? That's pretty much exactly what it's like. I don't think it's any different than any other rural community in, in Nova Scotia. Just quickly, I want to try and describe this. So, so all the way along the shore here, you've got, you know, you, you've got one community and then you hit a sign, you got another community and, you know, on down the way, five minutes apart or whatever. But this actual community is actually another little community within the little community of Portapec. Um, you know, it's a, we're a very recreational area, uh, you know, cottage country, so to speak. And, and this particular, it was a little, it was a little, uh, uh recreational subdivision on, uh, a, a private road or several private roads off of, uh, you know, I mean, just off of the highway in Portipec. So this was just like a cluster. You know what I mean? A little community that, uh, if you can imagine, uh, you know, 50, 
in that community, probably 50, 60% permanent, another 40, 50%, per, you know what I mean? The rest seasonal residents, and it's a, it's a community, right? And, uh, boy, I tell you, it's, uh, it's, uh, um, it's, uh, it's uh, still, it's unfathomable. It really is. Yeah. But it's just a little community and, uh, and, uh, you know, they've almost, and I, and I, and this is the, and I don't like to be taken away from the, the, those people, that little cluster, but it's like that this, this person has stolen from us. The, uh, the, uh, people have lived in this community and many other rural communities around Nova Scotia and Canada because they wanted to live in a quality of life and where they thought they were raising their children in safe, uh, um, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, a safe, uh, beautiful, safe community. That's why people for here, peace and tranquility. And uh, and it's going to be a while before we can really feel like uh, we, but we will again. But it, uh, it's it's going to be a while before we kind of uh, uh, feel he's taken that that peace and tranquility that we've been so proud of and uh, and love so much. And uh, that's the small part because he has destroyed. Uh, um, <clears throat> he's destroyed a lot of lives. You know, um, I, uh, I, you know, I, yeah, I, 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 you know, there's children with no parents, and, uh, um, and I'm not going any farther down that road. I, 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 I promise myself every morning here that any, because I've been doing a lot of interviews, that I'm not going to go beyond the community. I don't want to go into, I don't want to, you know, drive that grief or anything anymore. I just want to talk about wonderful people in a wonderful community and how it's been destroyed, but it'll be better again. We're talking with Colchester County Councillor Tom Taggart about Sunday's tragic events in Nova Scotia. Councillor Taggart, immediately two things always come to mind when something like this takes place. The first is the question, why? And sometimes we don't ever get answers to why. And unfortunately, that just that just adds to the grief and the pain. The other thing is what could have been done. How many times do you find yourself thinking about that second thing? What could have been done? And could we have prevented this? Hmm. Well, I, I don't know uh, what we could have done. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, you can be sure that uh, when this is over, uh, there'll be a lot of uh, questions asked. There'll be like, uh, like a, you know, there'll be... Uh, Post-mortem, you might say, done on the, on the whole uh, the whole tragedy, uh, and it needs to happen to try and ever prevent this from happening again. Uh, but we also need to uh, we got to give uh, you know the the folks that uh, survived this tragedy still haven't gotten back in their homes, uh, and uh, we have to try and. Uh, as a community, uh, let them get back in their homes and uh, let them try to come to some um, degree of peace uh, before we really jump into that. Uh, um, that what will surely be a quagmire, I suppose, would be a way to you know once you start to, once you start to try and piece that together, uh, it's a pretty frightening story. Definitely is. Now, in terms of 
alerts and things like that. Was there a way to spread an alert? I mean, you must have revisited this so many times. You know, what what more could have been done to, to try and deal with this as it was happening? But like you say, you were getting tips on, you know, you didn't know whether this was true or that was true, and all of it sounded probably completely unreal as it was going. Could an alert have made a difference? Well, so um, that's a question that has to be asked and has to be answered. And there's a lot of people trying to get that answer right now. Um, um, and I, 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 uh, I, I certainly have my opinion on that. And, uh, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, uh, right now, I don't want to overshadow, uh, what my purpose is. And my purpose is trying to, uh, support the, uh, uh, support the people in the community. And I'll guarantee you that when there were times right, I'm, I will have my say on that. Yes. Councillor Taggart, I don't want. Again. To, I don't want to go down that road right now. It's just I, I, I'm committed to making sure that I do what I can do and help the community do what they can do. And uh, the victims, or the the families of the victims. That's that's it for me for a bit. Yeah. Understandable. You know what? The yeah. the healing process needs somebody to to lead it. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so a lot much. Of people leading. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we really appreciate uh, the time, and again, our sincerest condolences. I, I, yes, and I, yeah, and I appreciate the focus. Uh, make it help people understand uh, that these uh, don't lose sight of the fact that these were real people here. Okay, just everyday ordinary people. That's the most important thing, and this happened to them. So anyway, thanks for your, you know, for your coverage, Councillor Taggart. Be safe. Yep. Thank you very much, and you as well. That's Colchester County, Nova Scotia Councillor Tom Taggart. That's it's unimaginable. It is. It continues to be unimaginable. And he doesn't even have to say words, does he, in order to hear how this is impacting him and how this is impacting his community. You just hear it in his voice. You've been listening to the London Live Podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.